You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and we are back here with another episode on a Thursday. And what we've been doing ever since the offseason started for Baltimore is we've been using these days as a free agency Thursday type deal. So we're going to continue along those lines. And I know we talked a little bit about the cap casualties that might happen for the Ravens, who the Ravens might be parting ways with just because their salary cap number is too high. And I kind of want to keep with that trend, but look at it from a different angle and look at potential cap casualties from other teams that who could potentially be cut because just they're making too much money and their production isn't there or they're getting too old and they want to free up space for other things. So I want to take a look at, in the second segment, we'll look take a look at the offense. And then in the third segment, we'll take a look at the defense, talk about who from the teams around the league, the Ravens could target if they are cut. I've identified three people on offense and three people on defense. And while some are more of a longer shot than others, I do kind of want to get into it a bit, go through a bunch of different scenarios and talk about just why they would be good fits for the Ravens and also just get into where they would fit on the team, not only from a personnel perspective, but also a bit from a cultural perspective as well. That's something I've been kind of pushing a lot since I've taken over this show, just the absolute great culture the Ravens have had over the course of their franchise history. So we're going to get into all of that. And in the first segment, I want to talk a bit about just what this Ravens team needs to do and what this Ravens team needs to target in order to get over that hump of playing from behind. We've seen the Ravens play from ahead. We've seen them go up big on opponents, but what we haven't seen them do a lot, and I'm not saying they haven't done it before, but come back from behind and get those victories. A prime example is in the divisional round against the Titans. So we're going to get into all of that. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Remember the whole nine yards, anywhere there is a podcast, we are right there waiting for you to hit that play button. Be sure to subscribe. Notifications are on so that you know that our content comes out Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOstriker34. So, with all that being said, let's get into the content, starting with our first segment here. What do the Ravens need to target in order to come back from behind? I mentioned it before, the Ravens have done such a great job of getting out to big leads and playing ahead. And we've seen it not only against the bad teams, you know, we can't say, oh, the Ravens just beat up on bad teams, go up 30 to nothing and call it a day. They've done it against the good teams, and I'll point to yesterday's podcast where we talked about the Rams game, we talked about the Texans game, two very formidable opponents where the Ravens just beat up upon them. But then we get into games like, let's say the Chiefs game, let's say the Cleveland game in week four, and then we can get into the big one, the divisional round against the Titans, but the Ravens were down by a lot of points, and we can talk about the Chiefs game first because that's a game where the Ravens came back and almost made it a game so close, Chris Moore's toe tap that wasn't so close on that sideline, he was wide open. But it just seems like the personnel and the scheme the Ravens run, when you first look at it, It isn't meant to come back. It's meant to obliterate early. And what I mean by that is when you have a run-based offense, and let's say it's the fourth quarter, nine minutes left, and you're down by 17 points. We'll say it's a three-possession game. And you have the ball at your own 20. 
If you keep running that football, what's going to happen is one of two things. You're either going to gain chunk plays on the ground and go down the field, even if you get 10 yards, 9 yards, 6 yards. What's going to happen is the clock is going to continue to run down, and that's going to be, okay, you can score a touchdown, but you've taken four minutes off the clock, you're giving the ball back. Or you've gotten a field goal, you've narrowed it down to two possessions, but you've taken three minutes off the clock, you're giving the ball back to an offense that's already up three scores on you or already was up three scores on you. The reason the Chiefs are so good and the reason you can look at their whole playoff run, they were down by a lot of points in all three of their games. But something that's underrated about that Chiefs offense, and I've talked about it, they can score in a flash. And that's the reason they won the Super Bowl this year. If they had gotten down on themselves, if they had abandoned what was working for them, if they had abandoned their game plan that was working for them the entire season, it would not have gone that way for the Chiefs. The Chiefs were confident in their personnel, and of course, having a Patrick Mahomes doesn't hurt. But the Ravens have their own quote-unquote Patrick Mahomes, and I mean by that their own star, in Lamar Jackson, and while their games are a little bit different, they both can use their advantage, they can use their skills to will teams to comebacks, but I do believe where the Ravens lack what the Chiefs have is in the receiving game with receivers, and we've identified it as a team need. We've talked with Spencer about it. We've talked with Matthew about it. The Ravens need speed. I think Henry Ruggs would be a phenomenal fit. If CeeDee Lamb is available at 20-21, the Ravens should trade up from 28 to get him. I also believe Emmanuel Sanders would be a great pickup for them, but I think what the Ravens are going to end up doing in free agency is getting two receivers through the draft and then signing a veteran guy. Now, is that going to be an Amari Cooper or a Robbie Anderson? I've kind of cooled my tone on that just because I don't think the Ravens want to tie up all that money into a receiver where it's really hit or miss. It's a system fit. Amari Cooper, very talented receiver. Robbie Anderson, very talented receiver. But I'd almost take that as tear down and say the Ravens need a guy like an A.J. Green or an Emmanuel Sanders. Those are my two guys who I'm really honing in on. And then if you can get LaVisca Chenault, if you can get Justin Jefferson, who's not a speed guy but can be a possession guy, but I wouldn't take Jefferson in the first round. Chenault's kind of garnering that first round attention now, but we'll see how that goes as the combine happens. But if you can get a Henry Ruggs, unbelievable fit next to Hollywood Brown would Henry Ruggs be. The speed, the blocking, the ability to get open in the middle of the field. That's where the Chiefs, when you look at their offense, you look at the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes on a third and 15 bombs the ball out to Tyreek Hill. That picks up chunk yards in a span of seconds. It was, I think, a 40-yard completion or along those lines. 40 yards in a span of probably 8 seconds. The Ravens, if they were running the ball, sure, they could be efficient with it, but you're probably gaining those 40 yards in a span of a minute, in a span of two minutes. And that just chunks the clock down to a point where you can't win the game if you're behind. Now, am I confident the Ravens are going to be able to be, do a better job at that next year? Yeah, I believe if the Ravens had one or two more pieces, they would have been able to come back against the Titans and hand them a loss just because of the personnel. But when you have a receiving core with Hollywood Brown, yeah, that'll help you. And we saw that in the divisional round, Hollywood Brown played lights out. But then you have Willie Sneed, who's more of a blocker, not a guy who gets over the middle of the field that often, wasn't really involved in the offense as much as people would have expected him to at the beginning of the year. You have Miles Boykin, who can stretch the field, but wasn't really on the same page with Lamar Jackson. And then, of course, you can't discount those tight ends. And that's why. That's one of the main reasons why I believe the Ravens have the formula. 
Because when you look at the Chiefs tight end room, yeah, Travis Kelsey, obviously one of the best tight ends in the NFL. But their second string tight end is Blake Bell. And when you look at the Ravens second and third string tight ends, and honestly, you can't even classify them by strings anymore. Yeah, sure, we can say Mark Andrews is probably the best of the bunch. But the Ravens have three number one tight ends on their roster, and that is not a debate. The Chiefs have one number one tight end on their roster, and then a Blake Bell and a third guy. If the Ravens can get the receivers and get the scheme right for those receivers and get the receivers that fit their scheme, it's a two-way street there. The Ravens, I think, could potentially have a better offense than the Chiefs. And why I'm saying that, a lot of it does hinge on the development of Lamar Jackson. And I do believe that with his work ethic, with what we saw from year one to year two with Jackson, they can pick up those chunk plays. But the extra wrinkle, the extra thing in this Ravens offense is with the Chiefs, they're picking up chunk play after chunk play after chunk play and it's throw, throw, throw. Sooner or later, the clock's going to stop with an incompletion or there's going to be a bad throw or the defense is going to pick up on it. And then something happens that it, something could happen. With the Ravens, what I think they could really employ here is chunk play through the air, chunk play through the air. The defense starts to soften up, play a little off, and then you can just run a draw play with Lamar Jackson. You can run an option play up the middle with Mark Ingram. There are so many different options for this Ravens team because their line can both block for the run and block for the pass so exceptionally well with not a lot of drop-off. Now, each lineman has their own strengths and weaknesses, don't get me wrong. But with the Ravens, that running game, I think, is going to be their key. The two keys that I think could differentiate this Ravens offense from that Chiefs offense is the running game and the tight ends. And with the right receivers, with a Henry Ruggs, with an Emmanuel Sanders, an A.J. Green, LaVisca Chenault, there's so much talent to be had. The receiver class is so deep in the draft this year. The free agency class has some gems in there. I talked about the few that I like. This has the potential to be an insane Ravens team in 2020. And I haven't even gotten into the defense and how Eric DaCosta reportedly wants that pass rush to be unstoppable. So looking at it, I think there are just a few steps that the Ravens have to take in order to become that top tier offense and not saying they're not already one, but to take that next step to be virtually, literally unstoppable. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we get back, we're going to be getting into the cap casualty portion of the show, talking about some players, some other NFL teams that could be cap casualties and who the Ravens could potentially scoop up. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker is still with you here, and now we're going to get into the second part of our Free Agency Thursday podcast, talking about some cap casualties, not from the Ravens side of things, but from other NFL teams, and talk about who would be a good fit on the Ravens, or why this is a potential scenario in my eyes. So I first want to start off with what I think is the least likely scenario for the Ravens. And before we get this started, take into account that none of these players have actually been cut yet. This is just speculation based off of their salary cap number or their performance. So none of these players are actually free agents at the moment. This is only assuming they do get cut and the Ravens have interest and sign them. So... With that being said, starting off, the least likely scenario on offense for the Ravens, I'm saying Jimmy Graham. And the reason I'm saying Jimmy Graham, and you might be thinking, what? The Ravens already have three tight ends, and the tight end room is the best in the NFL. 
Well, this is assuming that the Ravens might put Hayden Hurst in a trade package. I know there have been rumors surrounding Hurst and his availability in trades. And I think that if the Ravens find a player who they want to trade for, someone, maybe a younger guy and someone who the Ravens would be willing to part with Hayden Hurst for, maybe Hayden Hurst in a pick, let's say, if Jimmy Graham gets cut, he is an intriguing option because of his receiving ability. Him and Mark Andrews would be an interesting one-two punch. And now I will admit, Jimmy Graham is pretty much nothing like he was from his days in New Orleans, even from his days in Seattle. At his best, Jimmy Graham was arguably the second best tight end in the NFL, behind none other than Rob Gronkowski. He had his best season in 2013 with the Saints. He had 1,215 yards and 16 touchdowns for the Saints, and then following it up in 2014, he had 889 yards and 10 touchdowns. He had 74 touchdowns in his entire career. But in 2019 with the Packers, a down year for Graham in all 16 games, only 447 receiving yards and just three scores. But where I think Graham would fit on this offense is in the red zone. Sometimes when we've talked about it, the Ravens can struggle to score in the red zone. Graham is a huge target. He's 6'7", 265 pounds, formerly a basketball star, knows how to box out opponents, knows how to jump up, get the ball or get the rebound as we're talking basketball terms. He can go up and snag a ball out of midair, and I don't think everything is out of the tank for Jimmy Graham. Now, there have been rumors that the Packers will cut Graham based off of his salary and his performance, which you're not paying a guy over $10 million to get 447 receiving yards. That's just not how it works. So the Ravens could potentially be interested if they decide to trade Hayden Hurst. And the reason I'm kind of putting this out in the air is because we talked about it with the trade for Jacksonville. We talked about Yannick Ngakwe or Jalen Ramsey before the trade deadline. They were talking about, well, if you include Hayden Hurst in a first round pick or Hayden Hurst in a third round pick, or even with the Rams, there was speculation that once the Ravens agreed to that trade for Marcus Peters, it was Hayden Hurst in a fifth round pick. The Ravens, I do believe, view Hurst as a bit of an expendable piece. And I don't mean that they want to trade him. I don't mean they want to get rid of him. He is a very valuable part to this team and to this tight end room. And I would personally be a little upset if Hayden Hurst were to go just because I think he gels with the guys. The tight end room is really close. And also... He has sticky hands. When the ball is thrown in his vicinity, he will go out and just stick his hands to the ball and it will stick to his gloves to his hands. But if the Ravens feel like there's a better value out there, they could potentially trade him. And if they can get a guy on a cheaper deal, bring in Jimmy Graham on a cheap deal, they could have two players on their team where they are contributing, one being Jimmy Graham, the other being the player that they traded for. So not a likely scenario for Baltimore, but one I just wanted to put out there. The second player for the Ravens who might be a cap casualty is from the New England Patriots, wide receiver Mohamed Sanu. He came over from the Patriots from the Atlanta Falcons and in seven games with the Falcons had 313 yards and a score and in eight games with the Patriots had 207 yards and a score. And that was not the type of production the New England Patriots were thinking they were going to get out of Mohamed Sanu. For those who forget, the Patriots actually traded a second-round pick to the Falcons for Mohamed Sanu. A second-round pick. At the time, I thought that was a bit of an overpay for Sanu. He did fit their system rather well. Of course, we know Bill Belichick's history with calling those trick plays, Josh McDaniels as well. Again, sorry to do this, but remember in the 2014 playoff game with the Patriots, Julian Edelman throwing to Danny Amendola, Mohamed Sanu, a 
very good arm for a receiver. A wonderful arm. So the Patriots arguably had two of the best arms for receivers in the NFL in Sanu and Edelman. But second round pick for a guy who just got over 200 receiving yards, not the price that the Patriots wanted to pay. And once they paid it, they didn't get the return that they wanted on their investment. Where I think Sanu fits with the Ravens is a possession guy. He's very reliable, has hands. Would he get a lot of looks in this Ravens offense? I don't know. But I think he is, if you look at the receiver tiers in free agency, he would fall into my receiver tier, probably two and a half, right under AJ Green and Emmanuel Sanders. So I'll say two and a half, potentially three. And I believe that with Sanu, the Ravens would get a guy who can run down the field. The Ravens can incorporate some trick plays for him, but that's obviously not where his value lies. It's in his ability to get in the end zone, be a reliable target, has good hands, able to find the soft spot in the zones. So if the Patriots do end up moving on from Sanu, I can see a potential where the Ravens might not want to go after an A.J. Green or an Emmanuel Sanders. We can even look to the compensatory formula where the Ravens would have to give up a pick under that formula if they signed a guy who wasn't cut and who was an unrestricted free agent before a certain date. With Sanu, if he was cut, that formula would not apply. So I think the Ravens could get good production for cheap without having to surrender a pick in that compensatory formula with Sanu. And finally, the third player on offense who is actually my favorite is Will Fuller, the receiver from the Houston Texans. His nickname is Flash. And with Will Fuller, speed is the key. Speed is the name of the game. And we talked about that Chiefs offense. We talked about how it's important to have speed. Will Fuller would bring that. And with Will Fuller, you have a guy who gets injured quite a bit. That's something where you kind of stick the injury label on him. There's always a risk there. But when he is in the game for the Texans, things just change. Things just get more dynamic. The entire offense becomes more dangerous. And he hasn't played his full 16-game season in his entire career. His highest was actually in his rookie season. He played 14 games. Only played 11 games last season for the Texans. But when he was in there, was a key, key factor. Had 670 receiving yards and three touchdowns. And while those aren't eye-popping numbers, it's just like with Hollywood Brown. He does more beyond the stat sheet. He has very reliable hands. And he's able to stretch out the defense. If the Ravens were able to get Will Fuller alongside Hollywood Brown, and bring in a possession receiver in the draft or even one of those first rounders. You talk about Ruggs or CeeDee Lamb, get a Justin Jefferson, LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk, any of those guys. It would be a deadly, deadly offense for the Ravens. You have speed on the outside. You can put Fuller in the slot. You can put Brown in the slot. You can move them all around. It just entices me and Fuller's making a lot of money and for the amount of injuries he's had, the Texans might not believe that it's worth it to pay him all of that money. And so the Ravens could be able to pounce Get a guy who is very productive while he's on the field and take that risk where, okay, if Fuller gets hurt, we can kind of nullify that blow. We can give Miles Boykin more opportunities, give Marquise Brown more opportunities, give Willie Steen more opportunities, and rely on their tight ends because this Ravens receiving room is so deep. They aren't necessarily relying on one single guy. The Texans were, in a way, relying on Will Fuller just because, yeah, they have DeAndre Hopkins. But with Will Fuller, they're relying on his speed to open up that defense for DeAndre Hopkins because I mentioned when he's off the field, the Texans offense shifts, teams focus more attention on DeAndre Hopkins. And it's just like with Marquise Brown, when he's on the field, the teams have to shift their focus away from guys like Mark Andrews, 
like Hayden Hurst and the like. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Texans end up moving on from Fuller, but a guy who I think could be a potentially great fit in this Ravens offense. And if they have the opportunity, I think the Ravens should absolutely pounce on Fuller. We are going to go into our final break now, but when we get back, we're going to be switching sides of the ball, talking about the defense. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker still hanging with you here. As we transition into the defensive side of this cap casualty around the NFL segment, I'm really going to focus in on edge players and defensive line players just because, look, the Ravens have the secondary, right? They have Marlon Humphrey. They have Marcus Peters. They have Earl Thomas, Chuck Clark, Tavon Young. They have the secondary pieces, but as I mentioned earlier, the Ravens have been reported, or Eric DaCosta has been reported, to be looking to get a pass rush that can hold leads, can help win games. And the secondary and the pass rush, they go hand in hand. We talk about coverage sacks all the time here on Locked On Ravens, where, look, if the pass rush is playing lights out, the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball. If the secondary is playing lights out, then the pass rushers have more time to get to the quarterback. It goes hand in hand. And so the first player I want to talk about would be a little bit of a project trying to get his career back on track, and that is Leonard Floyd, the outside linebacker from the Chicago Bears. He had a very down year for the Bears in 2019, started all 16 games, but only had three sacks. And the Bears aren't going to pay him the $13 million that it's going to take to pay him this season just to get three sacks, right? The only reason the Bears are going to keep him around is because they think that he's going to kind of revert back to almost his rookie form. His best year was as a rookie. He had seven sacks in his rookie season, and it looked like the sky was the limit. But then in 2017, only four and a half sacks. 2018, four sacks. 2019, three sacks. So his sack production has fallen every single year in the league. And with the Ravens, what they can do it would be a little risky for them, and I'm doing Leonard Floyd first because it's probably the least likely scenario because the Ravens at the moment probably don't want to bring in a guy who is quote-unquote on the downfall of his career at the moment. Yeah, he's only 27 years old, but when you look at the ability to bring in a pass rusher in the offseason, I believe the Ravens are going to look for a veteran, and not only a veteran, but a veteran who is on the upswing, a Jadavian Clowney, a Shaq Barrett, Robert Quinn. Guys who have proven it for multiple seasons, and Leonard Floyd is not that, but the reason I think this could be a possibility is just because of the intangibles, because of his physical traits, because of the talent that is right there for the taking for Floyd that we all know is there because he did it in his rookie season. He's 6'5", 240 pounds, very fast off the snap. But he just doesn't win at the point of attack a lot, and he's just been stonewalled by opposing offensive linemen, offensive tackles. So looking at Leonard Floyd, a potential option for the Ravens, but I do expect them to go after one of the premier edge players in free agency, whether it be Clowney or Quinn or Barrett, whoever it may be, I do believe that would be the target for the Ravens. But a possibility is Leonard Floyd. Secondly, I want to talk about two Jacksonville Jaguars, and we'll start here with defensive tackle Marcel Darius from the Jaguars, and he only had half a sack last season, and while I'm not looking at Darius just because of his sack ability, there wasn't a lot there to kind of look at for him. He is just an absolute run stuffer, but he showed the sack potential in Buffalo. Five and a half sacks his first two years, seven and a half sacks in his second year, seven and a half sacks in his third year, 10 sacks in his fourth year, only two sacks in his fifth, 
three and a half in his sixth and two in his seventh. But with the trade to Jacksonville and the scheme that they run, it's quite different from Buffalo. Darius has different responsibilities. I believe in Baltimore, yes, they run a two-gap system primarily. And Darius could thrive in there playing next to Brandon Williams just because of the fact that if the Ravens do let Michael Pierce go, the Ravens could bring out that interior pass rush that they've been missing and that Darius has been missing but that we all know is there. We can talk about it with Leonard Floyd again. The Ravens have to make sure that when they acquire somebody, it is going to be for the right reason. They shouldn't bring in Darius because he's a big guy. He's 6'3", 331 pounds. They shouldn't bring him in because he's a big guy. They can get big guys anywhere. They have a bunch of big guys. But Darius has that ability to get to the quarterback, and he unlocked it in Buffalo, and it was kind of pushed back down in Jacksonville. So I think that if he is cut and becomes available, the Ravens could take a good hard look at him if they're not able to sign a Chris Jones in free agency or if they're not able to get a Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw in the draft. I think that Darius would be a great option for the team and just a guy who could fill a need for the Ravens and talk about the pass rush that DaCosta wants. He could be a prime candidate for that. And finally, for the Ravens, the second Jacksonville Jaguar I'll be talking about in my favorite potential cap casualty around the league, whether it be offense or defense, Calais Campbell from the Jaguars, 6'8", 300 pounds, a behemoth of a defensive end, had six and a half sacks in 2019. For his career, he has 88 sacks, and he was probably one of the best free agent pickups in Jacksonville Jaguars history. His first season in Jacksonville, 14 and a half sacks. Second season, 10 and a half. Third season, 2019, six and a half. Now he's a little bit older, but I think that he still has enough left in the tank to be a very solid contributor on this Baltimore defense. He'd probably slot in where Chris Warmly plays right now. Chris Warmly is a guy who was Good, not great. Kind of a meh player for the Ravens. And I think that Campbell would be a clear upgrade. And Campbell's making a lot of money. So it looks like the Jaguars will cut him just because they don't want to pay an older guy so much money. And the Ravens should absolutely 100% pounce on Campbell. He does so many things well. He's such a great guy. He, he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in 2019, beat out Brandon Carr and a bunch of other guys for it. So he's a nice guy. would be a great culture fit in the locker room. Him and Lamar Jackson shared the co-MVP of the Pro Bowl. Lamar Jackson won the offensive MVP and Clayus Campbell won the defensive MVP. So it could be a match made in heaven for the Ravens. And I think he's just a great scheme fit too. His ability to play on all three downs if he needs to. Now the Ravens probably wouldn't do that They'd probably try to manage his play, manage his snaps a little bit. But with Calais Campbell, he's a guy who I wanted when the Cardinals ended up letting him go, landed in Jacksonville, and, and proved me right. So this is an opportunity for the Ravens to do right by me, we'll say, and get Campbell the second time around. And maybe the second time around's a bit sweeter. But I think a key contributor to the Ravens is probably going to come in the form of a cap casualty. And if Campbell's the one who the Ravens end up signing, sign me up. No complaints here. So on defense, Leonard Floyd, Marcel Darius, and Calais Campbell, three guys who I think could make an immediate impact for the Ravens if they were cut and the Ravens were to make a move. That's all I have for you today. When we get back tomorrow, we'll be getting into more Ravens talk. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.